Brothers and sisters, good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. It's good to be united in worship with you here at the Houghton Wesleyan Church, as well as all those uh, who are joining us online. If you're able, please stand and join me in the call to worship printed in your bulletin. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. Join your hearts and minds with me as we approach Almighty God. Father above, descend and walk among us this Sabbath morning. Speak afresh with the mysterious breath of your Spirit and fill our hearts with sacred enthusiasm. Transform us and grow us together and increasingly into the likeness of our Savior and Master, Jesus Christ. So may it truly be. Amen.
Amen. It is so great to see you as we gather for worship today. Welcome uh, students who are back here and look forward to a great year and others who may be guests here today. So we invite you to take a few moments and share a word of greeting with others here in worship this morning. things that I want to uh, mention to you. There are a couple of inserts in your bulletin, one about nursery and also one about uh, Sunday school, which starts next Sunday, and uh, also small groups that will be starting in the next couple of weeks. We'd love to have you involved in uh, either or both of those activities. And also, um, there are uh, some attendance sheets, uh, some contact sheets, not really attendance sheets, but contact sheets in the front of, in the pew rack there in front of you. And uh, even if you've been here uh, a number of times, you've come here for years, or if it's your first time here, we'd love to have everybody fill those out just so we have this one time today so that we can make sure we have all the information correct. Uh, otherwise, then other weeks you can, you can fill them out as you want to. But there are a lot of boxes there to check of things you might be more interested in, uh, ways that we can serve you as a church. Uh, there are a number of things there. You can drop those in the offering plate a little bit later or leave them at the ends of your rows and we'll pick them up after the service is over. This morning we encounter the, the Alpha and Omega of the Bible's prayer book, Psalm 1 and, and 150. May our very lives as well be framed by such matchless prayer. People of God receive his word in the fullness of its soul-rending power. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But instead, the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. 
Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. I think one of the one of the the struggles that we face in our understanding of God is that God's created intent for all that he's made is joy. When God places Adam and Eve in the garden, he says to them, be fruitful, multiply. He says, here is what I've made. Now, enjoy it. The ancient catechism says, asks the question, why, were, why did God create people? And the answer is he created people to worship him, to glorify him, and to enjoy him forever. God's created intent for all that he has made is joy. And I think when life pushes in on us, when, when disappointments come, when, when life is a struggle and pain and burden, we sort of lose track of that. And we start wondering if maybe God's intent for us is not so much joy as it is pain and struggle and heartache because life has so much of that. But when we read the scriptures, we find again and again and again that Jesus and others say, it's the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah says, is your strength. Jesus tells his disciples, I've come to give you life, abundant life. I've come to bring you joy like you were created to experience. And that's what comes to mind when I read the 150th Psalm. This psalm about praise and worship of God is really the undercurrent of of bringing us back to God's intent for us and for all of creation that we would experience the deepest joy as his creatures. Psalm 150, it seems that Psalm 150 is, is sort of a climax to the rest of the psalms. It is, it is the apex. It is where the Psalms are eventually leading us through all the ups and the downs and the successes and the defeats and the, and the joys and the sorrows. All of it is leading us to Psalm 150 that declares, praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It makes me think of a, of a symphony, of, a, of a, an orchestra coming together and you begin with a, a flute and an oboe. And then you add some strings. And then you you begin to bring in some brass and more flutes and more strings and more brass. And the timpani joins in and it, it swells to this great crescendo by the time it's done. I, I love to conduct music. Um, when I, I've had opportunities through the years to conduct choirs and things. But most of my conducting is done when nobody else is around. You know, and I've just got some headphones on, and I'm listening to music. And if you were to catch a glimpse of me doing that, you'd probably laugh the whole time. Because, I mean, I am really doing this. You know, I'm bringing in the strings, a little less brass. You know, I'm doing all these things, going with all of this. And, you know, and, and, and I love to do that. And I've been wondering, why is that so much 
fun for me? Why is that so enjoyable? And I think it's because it helps me to truly engage with the music. Because it's hard for me to sit back and just listen. It's one of the reasons why I have friends who, you know, when they're studying and preparing sermons, they have music playing in the background. I cannot do that. Because I either want to sing along or I want to conduct along or I want to engage. Because if I'm going to listen to music, I want to be a part of it. I want to engage with it. And I've discovered that when I do that, the music comes alive for me. And it begins to get into me a whole lot more than if I just sit and listen. I wonder if that isn't what the psalmist is telling us here. That praising God is not something you can do from a distance. It's not something you can do lethargically. It's something that you do with your being and and you engage with it. And, And to praise God is to engage ourselves with him and all of his glory and all of his greatness. And I love the fact that in this 150th Psalm, you have this diversity all through it of how we praise and where we praise, even why we praise. And the psalmist begins by, by saying, praise God in his sanctuary, in his mighty heaven, for his mighty works, his unequaled greatness, and then he gets into what we use to, to praise him. The blast of the ram's horn, the lyre, the harp, the tambourine, the dancing. And that, I think that was not in my version when I was growing up. I'm pretty sure that was blacked out. Um, strings and flutes and the clash of cymbals and the clanging cymbals. Let everything praise the Lord. There is this diversity of praise And, and, you know, sometimes when we come together to worship, when we think about worship, what we're really thinking about is, what do I like? What speaks to me? What what, what resonates with me? It's interesting to me that the Psalms, the word halal, that is the Hebrew word that's translated praise over and over and over again here, it's most often used in the plural sense. Can we praise God by ourselves? Yes. Should we praise God by ourselves? Yes. But God's real intent when he thinks, talking about praising him, it's corporate in nature. And sometimes that's hard for us. Because we want worship, if we do it with other people, to be what we want. How we want. And God keeps calling us away from that kind of self-focused mindset to the bigger picture. Sometimes when we're in worship with people who see it differently and who want it to be different, it sort of sounds like clanging cymbals to us. We're like the Grinch standing up at the top of Mount Strumpet looking down on the Who's in Whoville. And as they wake up Christmas morning, this is before he has, you know, before his, he's thinking about what he's going to do and describing how much he hates them. And he, they wake up Christmas morning and he says, I hate the singing. I hate their joy of the gift wrapping. And what I hate most of all is the noise, 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 noise. You remember that? And I think sometimes that's what it feels like to us. Because it's not what we want. It's not the way we would do it. It's not how we are thinking about it. But what seems to us to be cacophony is to God, harmony. God loves harmony. 
God loves, it is a beautiful sound to him when his people come together and we bring our worship with all of its diversity and all of our likes and dislikes and gifts and abilities and we worship him together and we blend all of that into one. God is pleased. It is a beautiful sound to him. But it's not just about worship here. I think it's about all of life and understanding that there is no place and there is nothing we do that cannot be given to God as an act of praise and worship. When we are studying for an exam, we can worship God. When we are giving a lecture, we can worship God. When we are filing papers, we can worship God. When we are doing such mundane things around our house as repairing something or cleaning the toilet or whatever it is we may be doing, it can be an act of worship to God if we want it to be. And it's all of us coming together, all of our gifts, all of our abilities, all the ways in which we engage this world are opportunities to worship God. And to join our hearts and voices with each other. Now worship is not, some people will say, wow, God must be so insecure. that We have to keep telling him how great he is. You know, that's not what this is about. It's not about God being insecure and we have to stroke his ego. Rather, it's about recognizing that God is the source of life and God is the source of joy and God is the source of everything good. And when we praise him, we are simply acknowledging that and connecting ourselves to that and saying, "My life, ultimately, my life is not about me, it's about you. Because every other way of understanding our lives than it's about him is leading us not to joy but to destruction. It's about shining the light of Christ. It's about, decla- about God. It's, just, it's declaring who God is. The word halal, as I was reading about it, it has some roots in talking about to shine. And so it talks, it's used to describe the celestial beings and what they do. And you can see where it would, you can see the movement from meaning to shine to praise. It is declaring, it is reflecting, it is, it is making known, it is shining and sharing the greatness of who God is. But that's going to mean God's at the center, not us. I think that can be a difficulty for us because, quite frankly, we like the universe to revolve around us, right? I mean, that's, that's our struggle. I was reading an article a few weeks ago about, I was talking about preaching, and, and, and the gentleman was asking the question about what's the primary, ultimate purpose of preaching? And he said most of the time what he had been taught, and most of the time what he had thought, and I agreed with him, was that it's getting to application. Everyone is sitting, listening, and thinking, what does this mean for me? What do I take from this? What do I get from this? And he said, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. And he said, what if, what if the ultimate purpose of preaching 
is worshiping God. Now, does that mean we eliminate application? Not by any means. It's important. We need to do that. But that's not the ultimate purpose. And I, as I was pondering that, I think the same thing could be said for worship gatherings and for the reading of Scripture. We tend to think Scripture is meaningful or not, that Scripture is important or not, based on what do I get out of it. And if Scripture doesn't seem to speak to us, then we tend to ignore it. Maybe it would change the way we read and study Scripture and think about Scripture if we said, God, how do I worship you through this? How do I see you more clearly? How do I adore you more clearly? How do I worship you and praise you more deeply? Now, does that mean that we read Scripture and we don't care what it says to us? Not by any means. That's important. It's a part of it. But it's secondary. It's the result of the focus being on God instead of on us. Because when the focus is on us we and the application, we tend to think in a very utilitarian kind of way. And that's when you start getting into legalism and hypocrisy and self-righteousness. Because I can check the boxes. I've done what I need to do. I've figured it all out. And all the while God is saying, but what about me? Where am I in this mix? I think that's why it's important to see Psalm 150 in the context of Psalm 1. For a long time, I think many people looked at the Psalms and thought they were 150 separate poems that really had very little to do with each other. But more and more scholars are seeing that there is a purpose to them. There's a purpose to their order. There is a unity in the Psalms. And I think that is so true. Because you look at Psalm 1 and it describes who is following God, who finds the joy of God. And you get to Psalm 150 and it says, yeah, we found that to be true. And what does Psalm 1 say to us about it? It says to us that, that we, we find that joy in delighting in the law. I got to tell you, we probably don't think of delight when we think of the law most of the time. Laws in general. I mean, if you want, you get out on 390 going to Rochester and you decide, you know, I really feel the need for speed today. And you think, I'm going 85. I, I, I just feel it. Nobody's around. I'm just doing it. Why don't we do that? Well, maybe because it would be dangerous, but probably more than anything else is because we're not quite sure if a state trooper is going to be over the next rise. We do our income taxes. I don't know of anybody who says, I love paying taxes. This is the greatest thing in the world. I wish I could do more. I wish I could do this all the time. Nobody wants to pay taxes, right? So why do we do it? Is it because we're citizens of this, of this country and it's a part of what it means to be connected to each other and to be a part of the bigger picture? Or is it because we don't really want to get a letter from the IRS? We tend to think of laws as restrictive. And quite frankly, they are restrictive. But what we find when we read the, the scriptures and what the psalmist is telling us is, I have discovered that everything God asks of us is for our good. For the psalmist, probably their, their law that is described here would be the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Old Testament, perhaps some of the prophets, maybe some of their history, but mainly, mainly the 
what Moses brought to the people of Israel from God. How to live. And everything about what Moses brings to them is, is for their benefit. It's that, look, here's how you can find joy in life relationally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. And anything God does says that's a restriction is for our good. It's for our benefit. It's for their benefit. And all the ways in which we view the law, instead of seeing it as something that just restricts us and takes away joy, it's actually the pathway to joy. Because it's leading us to God. Helping us to understand God. And we have more of the scriptures than they did. We have more of what God teaches us. And we, we know things now that they didn't know then. How do we know that there was a baby born in Bethlehem? Because the scriptures tell us. How do we know that there, this man, this baby, eventually went to a cross? Because the scriptures tell us. How do we know that the tomb is empty? How do we know that he rose to, to be with his father? How do we know that he's promised to come back? Because the scriptures tell us. How do we know that God is loving and forgiving and good and gracious and merciful and true? Because we know it in the scriptures. And the psalmist says... I find such delight in studying the word because it reveals to me who God is. And he's found like the psalmist in in Psalm 34 that says, taste and see that the Lord, he's good. Eugene Peterson says he went to visit a parishioner one day when he was a pastor and Walked into the house and the woman was sitting by her front window doing embroidery. She had the, the, the material stretched out over an oval frame. As you've seen embroidery, you know how that works. It's got to be as tight as possible in order to do the embroidery. And when he walked in, she looked up and she said to him, Pastor, I figured out what's wrong with my life. Those are words every pastor would love to hear. That's great. That's awesome. He said, tell me about it. She said, I've been looking at this embroidery and looking at this frame, and I realized something. My life is frameless. My thoughts, my actions, my words, they're all loose and sloppy. I don't, I don't have any frame for them. And, and, and my life is it's just going all over the place, and there's no structure to my life. And I realize now that I'm missing that. And he said, we sat down and we talked for a while about the framework of life that God has given us in his word. And that's what the psalmist is telling us. He delights in the law. And here's the interesting thing about 1 and 150. There is a cyclical nature to what both of them are telling us. Because when you begin to look in the scriptures, as Psalm 1 says, and you begin to see it and delight in it and and begin to understand who God is as we find it there, you want to praise God for what you see. And the more we praise God, the more we want to find out about God. And it drives us back to the scriptures and we learn more about who God is and 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 he reveals more and more of himself to us. And that leads us to want to praise him more. And again, the more we praise him, the more we want to know about him. And you have this whole cycle of praise and learning and understanding and revelation of who God is. And it is the journey of what it means to be a Christian. That's the joy of the journey. Continually understanding more and praising God and letting that lead us to wanting to know more and more. 
And this is what the psalm and these bookends are trying to tell us. That in the journey of life, in the struggles and the burdens, in the ups and the downs, the success and the failures, we see our lives in the context of who God is. And we find that God is good. When life is hard, God is good. When we experience pain, God is good. When we are challenged, God is good. When we feel guilty, God is good. When life is perfect, God is good. Every moment, God is good. We have every reason in the world to praise him. C.S. Lewis said something to the effect that when, when we begin to understand the, the magnificence and the beauty of God as he is described to us, then adoration and worship really are nothing more than simply being awakened. Of living in the real world. And that's what the psalmists are calling us to. And that's what we want to do this morning. You probably have noticed that the worship order is a little different today. That's intentional. And and the reason for that is because now that we've talked a bit about worship and praising God, we want to do it. And so we're going to sing together. We're going to offer prayers of, of gratitude to God. We're going to give you an opportunity if you want to share expressions of praise to God. We're going to give our gifts in gratitude and thanksgiving to God. Because we believe that God is good. And we want to, we want to declare that with every part of our being. So to begin, let's stand and we'll sing together the great hymn of Charles Wesley's 4,000 Tongues to Sing.
Amen. Please be seated. Please join me in the prayer of confession as we pray together. God of glory, you sent Jesus among us as the light of the world to reveal your love for all people. We praise you that when our sin hides the brightness of your light, you continue to reveal your glory. We praise you that when we turn away from people in need, you call us once again to the joy of serving others. We praise you that when we confess our sins, you promise to cleanse us from our sin so that we might reveal your wondrous grace and love in Jesus Christ. May your name be praised. Amen. Father, we do offer to you our deepest praise and thanksgiving. We thank you that you are present with us here. We thank you that you are active and at work through your Holy Spirit in us and in this world. Father, as we gather today, there are many burdens and concerns that we bring with us. And we are grateful to you that you are at work in each one of them. We thank you that you bring comfort to every heart that is feeling grief and loss today. We thank you that you bring healing and the presence of your spirit to every person who is struggling with pain and disease and trouble. We thank you that you supply our needs through your riches and glory. We thank you that you are at work restoring our broken relationships. We thank you that you give us hope and guidance for the future. And you give us peace when we feel anxiety and fear. We thank you, Father, that you are present among us today. And that you are present not only here, but all around us and all throughout this world. We thank you, Father, for the ministry not only of this church and the life of this church, but for other churches as well. We thank you for what you're doing in the Friendship Church of God in Christ. We thank you for your your grace to them. We thank you for their presence in their community and beyond. We thank you, Father, for the work of the Fillmore Youth Center and Southern Tier Youth for Christ and Houghton Academy All of these institutions who exist to help young people come to know you. We pray that you will bless them. And we thank you for what you've been doing and what you're going to do in each one of these ministries. We thank you, Father, for your work in the church around the world. Thank you for the church in Chad. As the leaders provide Christian camps for children... We thank you for what you are doing in these gatherings, that you are faithful and present and working life change among the leaders and the children. We thank you that you are present with every church in that country that faces harm and opposition as they serve you. 
We thank you, Father, that you are present in the places of disaster and tragedies. We think particularly of Hawaii and the hurricane there and the flooding. And we thank you that you are there. That you're ministering your grace to them through your spirit and through your people. We thank you for the church there. For the presence of your people to bring about hope and help. We thank you that you are present in places where war and violence are just life. And we thank you that you are the God of peace who brings peace. We thank you, Father, for your grace upon refugees as they struggle to find a place of security and to call home. Thank you for helping them, for being with them, and for the ministry of your church around the world to them. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We offer these prayers in his strong and powerful name, giving thanks to you and remembering the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, we have the opportunity to give thanks to God and praise to God by giving our gifts to God. And so as the ushers come forward to assist us, let us stand and sing the doxology. Father, we thank you for all of your blessings. We thank you that we have something to give. May you be glorified in it through Christ. Amen.
It is good to sing of God's praise. It's good to give. It's also good to speak God's praise. So we want to give you a moment now. We're going to take a few moments to give you the opportunity to share a word of praise that you might have. We have microphone down to here. And we have one in the balcony as well. It would just help everyone to be able to hear. And the people who are watching online are able to hear as well. Just some brief words of praise and thanksgiving to God. Who would like to start? The first one's always the hardest one, so be courageous. I am grateful for a summer of rest and rejuvenation. Thanks.
I'm just grateful for the way God answers prayers. It's, it's amazing, like the song that was just rendered. God's love is really amazing, and the way he makes things come to pass, things you've prayed for for a long time, the way he makes it unfold, it's amazing to me. I just give God the glory. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm so grateful to see students back. Mm-hmm. Houghton is lovely in the summertime. It's quiet. It's uh, something we look forward to, those of us who live here. But we're here because we want to see students come back. Right. There is a season here, and it just makes me so joyful to see this row back here, mm-hmm. right behind us. For years, I felt like there were five rows between Daryl and me and the rest of the congregation in this service. I would invite any of you who would like to, or even if you wouldn't like to, maybe God will lay it on your hearts to move forward. <laughs> I didn't say, I didn't tell her to say that. I agree with it, but I didn't tell her to say it. Thank you. Anyone else? I'd like to thank God for his continued grace upon myself and our family and uh, employment and a Mm. job that I extremely love. That's awesome. Thank you, Norm. Anybody else? Goody was referring to the college students, and this morning I was greeted by some of our two-year-olds from last year that are now three-year-olds that are going on to their new class. And I'm really looking forward to beginning with a new crop of kids. And the first weeks, it's usually Doug and I singing while they sit there and watch us. (laughs) But there's such a transition between then and the end of the year, and I praise God for that. Thanks to God for all of the people who, all the people who um, minister to our children. Thank you. John here. Oh, one more. I'm sorry. So I was part of the graduating class of 1987. So my son and I are just here for the weekend. He will soon be a college student also and just can't turn down an opportunity to, to praise the Lord, to look back as he and I just walked to what used to be the Brookside Bridge <laughs> and just praising the Lord that he carried me through those years. I loved it so much I didn't want to leave. I stayed and worked for four more years. So... Wonderful to see the Lord's faithfulness through the years and just to give him praise to be at the Wesleyan Church and to hear Pastor Roden again. So just give him praise. Thank you. Praise God. I want to thank the Lord for the assurance that he's given me recently of being right where he wants me to be at this time. Thank you. I have four brothers who have been serving as missionaries around the world for the last 30 years. We are getting together in Denver tomorrow for a reunion, which is very rare for us. So we're going to spend a week together just reminiscing what God has done for us over the last decade. Amen. 
That's great. I'm going to take advantage of the fact that I have the mic right here. Um, I'm grateful for the uh, children's ministries in our church here. Um, my, uh, my two kids are going into second grade and sixth grade, and it's a very exciting year. My son will uh, be learning the books of the Bible, hmm. and uh, my daughter will be doing the catechism class. I'm, I'm grateful to all the volunteers who have served faithfully for years. When my daughter was born, I remember thinking, will she make it to that class with Mr. Blue? And she has. <laughs> so I'm grateful for that. Thank you. My wife Anyone? and I served Houghton College for 28 years. And it was drilled into us that service was our prime goal. Service to students, faculty, staff, this community. And we also do not have children. I remember reading an article about the wisdom of parenting. Well, we have not experienced that. Over the last few years, uh, my mother, Beulah Avery, has gone from low-maintenance person to a very high-maintenance person. She's currently in a assisted living place north of Jamestown uh, in Gary, Free Methodist in, uh, Institution. My mother-in-law lives in the Adirondacks, a five-hour drive from here. So there's about seven hours difference. We have spent a lot of time on the road serving our mothers. And I never thought of that before. And I praise God that there is a structure whereby I'm forced by circumstance to serve even though I'm not associated with Houghton College anymore. Thank you. Anyone else? Up up front. Yeah, that's everybody here. How do you how do you praise God in just a couple sentences? I know. Um, this year, this summer, I've got the opportunity to serve at least three in three ways: RFKC, um, a trip to Puerto Rico, and um, just being around, helping my family, and. Uh, I'm just thankful to God's grace to give me the ability to do that. Thank you. Thank you. This summer I had the fun of um, being with the four and five-year-olds in junior church for a few Sundays. And one of our lessons was about Jonah. And the verse we learned was, In my trouble I called upon the Lord, and he answered me. And I thought... That is so basic, and mm-hmm. I don't have any particular stories this morning, but that goes on and on throughout yes. our lives. And yeah. so thankful to yeah. the Lord. Thank you. For 32 years, I have served the Lord in outreach to Houghton College students at the Equestrian Center. And sometimes that has taken us to far-flung places like Bolivia. Hmm. And a couple of times, God has opened doors for me to be able to serve him through the medium of horses in England and in Germany. One of the things I do each August is volunteer as a scribe at Horse Shows in the Sun on the Hudson in Socrates, which is where I was last weekend. I regard that as a 
cost me the gas, they provide the housing and the meals. Like a free, tuition-free, brush-up graduate school course on my eye as a dressage instructor. But I always go wrapped in prayer. God will use me. And Saturday night, they provide a fancy dinner at a fancy restaurant in Socrates for all of the volunteers and all the paid show officials. And I was eating dinner with four, a group of the four of us, uh, three of the other scribes who were working with the international rated judges along with I. And they got swapping stories about horses. You can't get horse people together and not have that happen. <laughs> and so when it came my turn, I shared a story from something that happened where God used horses to stretch me in being able to bestow grace and trust him to provide any vengeance that he might deem suitable in a situation, which left them laughing. And I said, that's not the kind of thing you put in a missionary letter home to your supporters. But it was another evidence of God's grace to me over and over again. And they asked questions and it allowed me to share Mm. the plan of salvation Mm. and how great a God I serve and how many times beyond counting he has worked miracles Mm. in my life and through me to others Mm. and used others to bestow grace on me. Mm. And they looked at me and I said, that doesn't mean... I've never been through hard times, but God is good. He is faithful. He doesn't promise you will never suffer or have pain or illness. He doesn't promise that you will never be in danger. He does promise his strength and his love will support you through it and that he will use it to stretch you and grow you for his honor and glory. And after the dinner, one of the ladies leaned over to me and she said, you sound like your relationship with the Lord means a lot. And I said, and I pray that you also find that kind of relationship with God for nothing else on earth can match it. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you sharing. It's it's encouraging to to hear, and it's it's one way that we glorify God. We're going to conclude today by singing uh, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Henry Van Dyke wrote this song a number of years ago when he was visiting some friends at Williams College in the Berkshires. He got up one morning and was just stunned by the beauty all around him. And uh, he sat down and penned this poem and he took it to the breakfast table, the family he was staying with, and he said, here's my gift to you, but he says, there's one thing, you have to sing it to Beethoven's Ode to Joy. That You can't sing it without that. And, and when you've sung a little bit, you realize those are the perf- it's the perfect tune. For these perfect words. I've always loved this song, but lately, the beginning of the fourth verse has been particularly um, meaningful to me. The fourth verse begins, mortals join the mighty course, which the morning stars began. I've been thinking about that. The writer, this Van Dyke is saying, look folks, we didn't begin praising God. We are simply joining our voices with everything God has ever created in praising God. And something about that has just grabbed my heart to think that when we praise God, 
we are joining the voices of everything in God's creation, praising Him and finding joy in doing it. So let me invite you to stand as we sing together this great hymn of our faith. Amen. Receive the benediction. As you go from this place, may you know that God loves you, that God forgives you, that God is good. And may you live in the joy of praising God for who he is every day. Amen. Amen.